the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now, I present to you the one, the only, Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have an amazing guest today, Ben Spangle, um, tuning in from Canada and so representing the Canadian nation. And for those who don't know who Ben is, he is such an incredible guy. I'm excited to connect with him today. He's an entrepreneur, a speaker, seminar leader, coach, and he's hosted the podcast, The Pursuit, a global top 1% podcast. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. He's married to his amazing wife, Tiffany. He's a proud father of two incredible daughters. And he's incredibly passionate about helping people understand how to close the gap between where they are and where they want to be, showing them how to create the life in which you have it all. So we're going to get some amazing insights today from Ben. Ben, start off by telling us what is the biggest, most awesome business deal you're most proud of? Sure. Sounds good. First of all, thank you, Andrew. So good to be with you and everyone watching and listening. And I uh, love what you're doing. Um, the business deal I'm most proud of, I, I would say it's kind of a cumulative thing. I've, uh, I've, I built my first company, which we still have uh, as a financial service agency, and we got it up to the point where in, in total, we'd done over 10 million in revenue. And, and so it's a great organization. We have some amazing people, uh, amazing leaders within it. And, uh, and so definitely that is, is one thing I'm certainly very proud of. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of right now is about a year ago, I decided to start another company. And after a long time of building that one, I became very passionate about uh, the personal growth space in terms of the way our mind works and attraction and manifestation and many other things too. And so I ended up starting a seminar and coaching company and probably it wasn't the most profitable thing I've ever done in my life, but probably the thing I'm most proud of is the very first seminar we ever ran. And it, it took a leap. It was scary. It was, you know, doubting myself. Do I really, is it really worth it to start something else? Should I just put all my energy into this one? And so I think that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is getting that started up and running. And so how long has the seminar company been going for? What, what, what's, uh, what are the updates with those? Uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, seminar company. We've been running that for about a year now. Um, I've been doing them locally where I live. So in Edmonton, Alberta, one of our next chapters is to start branching out in other cities in North America and running these. So we've done uh, a couple virtuals and then two big live ones. Uh, we have our next live one coming up September 16th and 17th, actually here in Edmonton. We're gonna have a good group there. And uh, man, they're lots of fun. You know, it's it. Have you ever been to a live seminar? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I still have yet to go to like a Tony Robbins event. Uh, I still yep. need to get to one of those, but I'm definitely a, a big fan of seminars and workshops because, you know, so many events, you know, they just kind of talk at you and, and give you information, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, mm -hmm. how do I apply this? How is this useful? But yeah. I assume with the seminars you run, you're like, no, 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 we're going to be doing some work today, getting some work we're done right we're now. We're doing the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're really workshops is what they are. So this next one's going to be a great two day one where we can dive deep into, yes, new levels of understanding, levels of teaching. And really, like you said, you doing the work right then and there. So you're walking out of there, not just, ah, I feel motivated. Well, motivation lasts for about three days, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but actually I've got the tools to move to the next level in my life. I love that. I love that. So building a $10 million financial services company, uh, obviously a lot of people are like, well, I want to figure out how to build a $10 million company. Mm -hmm. um, but I love reading through your bio and part of your story. You're like, yeah, I didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do this. I was mm -hmm. broke. I was lonely. Mm -hmm. it, life sucked. Mm -hmm. um, tell us more about those pivotal moments that allowed you to figure your stuff out. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, when I got started, I was, uh, I was 21. So I was very young in life, certainly young in business. And at that point in my life, I think one of the things that when we think about achieving greater success in our life, no matter what somebody does, one of the things that's either going to propel you or hinder you is your own internal identity. And your own internal identity could really simply be summed up in what do you feel you actually deserve? Because in life, we get out of life what we feel we deserve. So... At that point in my life, I had a very, what I would call a very low identity. You know, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of success. From my, I hoped for a lot of success, but internally on a deeper level, and as I learned more and more on a subconscious level, 
I didn't have that. So for me, my first few years in business were a struggle. It was a grind. It was, uh, I was still having fun. I was, you know, I had built some great relationships and I was excited about what I was doing. Uh, but man, did I want the results to come. And I can't tell you how many days where I thought, geez, like how much longer am I going to be able to keep doing this, you know? And uh, so, yeah, my first three years were really, it was a mess. I was working six to seven days a week. I thought I was doing the right things, but I just couldn't seem to get the traction. I wasn't seeming to make the progress and make a little bit of money here and then have a month of not making anything or even going backwards and, and then a little bit here. And it was all these spurts of that stuff. Uh, so it really was, I mean, yeah, if I look back at those times, it, uh, it's easy to look at them now and laugh at them. Uh, but in, in the thick of all of it, though, it, it was filled with a lot of doubt and a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, I've just found that often that can be the case in the entrepreneurial journey is you're going to have a lot of that. Yeah, it, uh, it reminds me. And one thing I love uh, is a movie called Perks of Being a Wallflower. And uh, what they mentioned in the movie is we accept the love we think we deserve. Um, and so it's unfortunate mm -hmm. that, uh, people don't think they deserve much love and you hear about abusive relationships you hear about how people get treated and you're like, geez, that, that's too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's good to know that that can apply to not just love and relationships, but life and career and, and business in general. Um, and, and so how did you figure out that you did, uh, deserve more business and money? Cause obviously, like you said, you're working toward it, you're working your butt mm -hmm. off. You're like, of course I deserve it. I'm making more money. So Tell us more about that shift from not just thinking you deserve more money, but like mm -hmm. um, owning it essentially. I think two things. I think one, it's progressive. A lot of life is is very much progressive. <clears throat> you know, in the financial business, if you think about building wealth, one of the key components to building wealth is compound interest. Mm -hmm. And compound interest, it happens all along the way, but you begin to reap great rewards down the road because of years of compounding. I really do believe that our own personal uh, and professional growth and spiritual growth also compounds too. So one component to that is that if you're doing the work, not just the work of your business, but you're also working on yourself and you're doing both those things consistently, there's going to come a time where it begins to compound more and more. So it's not one pivotal moment of, wow, you know, this one boom day and now here I am. No, it's the compound effect of all of those things. So I think that was part of what I was experiencing. There's no doubt. That being said, I do remember vividly November 2010, and I'd just gone through where, you know, it was just, man, I mean, it was my third year. Uh, things were nowhere near where I thought they should be, could be, um, but I had finished reading a book. It's on my shelf here somewhere. I finished, there it is, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and mm -hmm. that book, I loved the book. It was awesome. I was a big reader already, so I was reading lots. I just wasn't getting the results I thought I could be. But um, from Secrets of the Millionaire Mind led me to go in November 2010. I looked it up and it turned out, actually, uh, a, friend, a friend of mine, his parents told me about it, actually, that he was coming to town. His seminar was coming to town in Edmonton here, just outside of Edmonton in Shura Park. And it was free, right? Which I was freaking broke. So free was very exciting. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. So, I, of course, we go to the seminar. There's about five or six of us good buddies that are all in business together. Go to the seminar. And that seminar did change my life. It was a three-day event. We did some amazing exercises in there. Really got to, I guess I got to take a lot of what I was learning intellectually and more emotionalize it on a deeper level of what were some of the blocks in my life? Why, why was I struggling financially? And how did that show up? So how was I programmed at a young age for a financial struggle? I started to become so much more aware of it, which is step one. But then I also learned tools and exercises that I could apply in my life. We did over that weekend and then coming out of it as well, tools and exercises that I could use to begin to reprogram my mind for new levels of success. So the idea of identity being, this is what I feel I deserve, it's all made up. It's not true. There's no such thing as somebody deserves more than the other person. That's all BS. All right. We're all spiritual beings. We're all equal that way. Nobody's different that way. However, there is a difference in this internal concept of what you think you should be getting out of life. So for me, I started to learn the reprogramming tools. So I began to reprogram in a heavy way and spent a lot of time, money, and energy into studying this, applying this more than ever. And the results were fantastic. You know, that third year, I, I look back, I think I made $29,000 and, 
you know, 29,000 today doesn't get you a lot, but even 10 years ago, 29,000 didn't get you a lot either, you know, in a year. Um, But within that next year, now I understand this is not big dollars, but at the time it represented it, my income doubled from 29,000 to 60,000 within a year. Now it's not a huge amount of dollars, but for me at that point, I was 24 years old. Yeah, 24. I met my wife at that seminar, by the way, that weekend. We met there too. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, um, so 60,000 represented a lot, 24. But then what happened though, now this compounding effect, I continued doing these things, kept working my business, kept working on myself, kept working on my programming. The following year went to 83,000, then 180,000, then a quarter million. And, and life began to really take off. But it really was that pivotal year of 2010 of having some of these big breakthroughs. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm curious too, how did you figure out how to maintain that consistency and compound interest? Because like, like you said, you know, motivation usually in the last three days and maybe you said, Oh, well it, it helps to uh, meet my wife at that seminar and we helped tell each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, how did you help holy how did you hold yourself accountable to make sure you were constantly compounding rather than going, yeah, making big leaps, then falling down, making big leaps and falling down? How did you maintain that consistency? Uh, it's a good question. I, I don't know that I've ever figured out how to always go up and never have setbacks because I just don't think that exists. Maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely figured out that there was ways to, you know, it wasn't like this big increase and then all of a sudden I'm back down to where I was. It was never like that. So I think in terms of creating consistent results, there's no secret to this, but we've got to show up with consistent daily practices that do a few things. Number one, I'm a big fan of a great morning routine. And there's a lot of different things we could talk about with that. I don't think there's one that you have to do. However, I've noticed in my life, I've noticed in most of the successful people that I either coach or work with or have had on the podcast that they they kind of got one. They've got a great morning routine because it primes the mind and puts you in a great energetic state for the rest of the day. So one of the greatest success rituals to develop, in my opinion, is creating a wonderful morning routine that includes some form of success creation or mental reprogramming or visualization, whatever whatever tool you're using is fine, uh, but something along those lines. So I think that's important. I think the second thing, no matter what business you're in, I mean, ultimately, there's a few key tasks, your most valuable priorities, your MVPs um, that are necessary for the success of the business. And, you know, most businesses, they, they uh, well, every business, but, you know, if you think of in order for a business to be successful, they need some kind of product or service that works that is good. Yes, they need, uh, you know, back end support, they need all that. Yet, if you don't have sales, then nothing matters. So in any business, I mean, sales is probably the most important uh, part. So what are the activities for the business owner that whether it's them doing it or their team, whoever it is, but what are those primary activities that need to happen on a day to day? So those are are two things. One, I think a solid morning routine. Two, I think very clear on your most valuable priorities in your business. And then the third thing is grace. And the reason I share that is that you're a human. You and me are humans. We're not robots. So you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to not fall off your track. You're never going to um, you know, be so disciplined that you never miss a day. It's just not life. It's just not life. And even the giants, even the titans of industry, they still have off moments. They still have off days. They just don't stay down as long and they get back on track. So having grace and understanding that there's nothing wrong with you if you haven't been able to put it together or stick it together as long as you want to, you're progressing, you're getting better. And that grace factor is so important because I find achievers, people in general, but a lot of achievers are incredibly critical of themselves, incredibly hard on themselves, under the illusion that I'm that way so I always get better. Well, it's also part of what keeps you miserable. It's also part of what keeps you on the never-ending treadmill of thinking that if I just had this next thing, I'll be happy. And that's an illusion too. So having that grace, I think is super important in life, in business, you know, not to be confused with apathy or laziness, but to understand that, 
you're going to fall off sometimes. Let's get back on. I love that. Uh, that uh, those are three great points. Morning routines, having your, your primary activities in place, and also giving yourself grace. Um, so yeah, tell, tell us more about what your morning routine looks like and how you prime your mindset uh, for the day. We're cu- curious about that too. For sure. So my big three uh, have been for as long as I can remember, um, at least when I got started in this stuff. And although different seasons of my life have maybe given different time to those things, the three most important things for me are a combination of meditation. I am a huge, huge advocate for meditation. And inside meditation usually combines some kind of visualization of my goals, my future as well. But I just call that all meditation. Secondly is reading and study. There are very few days, they've happened, but there are very few days in the last 15 years of my life that I didn't read from a great book. And I don't know why. Prior to that, by the way, I was never a reader. I never liked reading as a kid, never liked it at all. But once I got into business and personal growth and spiritual growth, I was fascinated by it because I could apply it in my life. Um, so reading, you believe in, uh, reading different books all the time or reading the same book again and again? That's a really good question. You know, my first, uh, I would say my first probably, where are we now? 2017. So yeah, my first nine, 10 years, I was just kind of reading pretty much the next book, the next book, the next book. And, uh, to the point where it was almost like a goal in the game. I wanted to see how many can I read? I remember one year I said, all right, I'm going to read 50 books this year. Like, I don't know I'm talking audio books. I'm talking reading. And, um, and I did, I think I got to 51 or 52, but the truth is how much of that did I retain? Probably nothing, you know, (laughs) it was just so, so I like reading a diverse amount of things. I I do like reading multiple things. However, my life changed in 2017. Again, it's a great question to just ask when I went from reading to studying and Mm. probably the greatest mentor in the world for me on this was Bob Proctor. He died a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, actually, but, um, uh, he was the greatest mentor in terms of study to find a few key books and to do a deep dive in a study. Now, the difference between reading is we could pick up one of these books off the shelf here and we could go and read the chapter and then we read the next chapter. Study is where you take perhaps that same chapter every day for the next week, the next two weeks, something like that. Or maybe there's a page that really resonates with you. And uh, so I do a bit of both. Yeah, I do a bit of both. I got about six, probably six, seven books that I study every year now, the same ones, and um, some of the same ones, same authors anyways. And then then I like to read stuff that uh, I read a great book recently called Stolen Focus that is not a book to study, but a great book for, you know, mastering some focus in your life. No, that's super cool. I think, uh, oh, I think, oh, yeah, it was the book Born to be Rich that Bob Proctor oh, yeah. Um, yeah. wrote. And I, we, I was listening to the audiobook version of it, and I only heard it once, but yeah, remember in the book he talked about how he would read the same page for months and months, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. w- w- which is wild. And I, and I, I do, I will say too, like yeah, when I figure out there's between like read studying versus reading, it made a big difference in my own life too, because it's just like like actively writing things down and like actively mm-hmm. processing things versus reading just to read. Mm-hmm. And I agree that it's too bad people get caught in that trap where they read just to read without um, implementing. And and, mm-hmm. and when you say you read the read read the same chapter for weeks and months if you have to to get it right that's uh mm-hmm. that's a great analogy um and so I, so i love that so you go through the same books again and again till you feel like you've mastered it um and then your morning routine is you said you meditate oh i read. missed the third thing yeah no, so, it's all good yeah yeah mm-hmm. meditation reading and then journaling so journaling I, I love journaling writing things down and sometimes this could be you know maybe i'm just writing about my future as if it's already happened sometimes it's a gratitude practice Sometimes it's a challenge I'm dealing with and I'm getting out of my head into paper. Sometimes it's thinking of ideas. Um, but yeah, I mean, the act of journaling is, I, I think it's one of the most important tools for our own personal growth and progress. I love this. So let's let's go back to uh, 21-year-old Ben for a moment. Sure. And, uh, you know, he's ready to grind. He's working six or seven days a week. He thinks he deserves all this wealth. He's working toward it. But of course, he, he's plateauing, not getting the money he wanted. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him um, to say, all right, Ben, if you're going to coach younger Ben, how would you coach him how to build a $10 million business? Hmm. I, I think I would have, I would want people to understand sooner 
the difference between your conscious ideas and wants and what's going on at a deeper level in your subconscious mind. I think that's a big part of it. Um, believe it or not, I would tell him, have more fun with your life. Don't take things <laughs> so seriously, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the, the other thing is I would say, hey, take a look at how you can become more productive in the sense of getting more done in less time. Back then I was, uh, you know, I worked my business for a lot of, uh, oh, my screen just went blank there. Uh, I worked my business for a lot of uh, hours in a week. I was gone, but how much time was I actually putting into those hours? How much work was I actually putting into those hours? You know, probably a fraction of what I was actually doing. So I would, I would take a look at those things. Number one, let's start to break down more a greater understanding of this conscious and subconscious. Number two, enjoy your life a bit more, have more fun with it, maybe take a little more time off. And uh, number three, become more productive with the time that you're doing, constantly reflecting on that. How can I become more productive? How can I become more effective? And through the journal is a great way to do it, to reflect on that and, and write down some of the ideas that come to you. Because I really believe that the answers you're needing for your next level are within you. You just sometimes got to stop, take the time, clear the air a bit, clear the noise, clear the distraction, and go within to find those answers. I love that. I love that. Uh, just the recognizing the conscious versus subconscious, taking a look at your productivity, and of course, having more fun and happiness. Because if you're not having fun and being happy, then <laughs> what, 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 what's the point? Totally. Uh, so I, yeah. I love that. And, and also, so it seems like you've kind of mastered goal setting um, in a way that whatever you set a goal, you reach it, you coach other people, whenever they set a goal, they reach it. Um, so is there anything else you want to add about your process of goal setting outside of what you, you said so far? Yeah, I mean, goal setting, there, there's a big difference between goal setting and goal achieving, right? Mm. I mean, many people set goals usually around December, you know, the end of December to January 1st, and then they never look at them again. And uh, perhaps they might achieve one of those on that list. Maybe they don't achieve many. And there's been so many goals that I, I didn't achieve in the timelines that I set. Um, yet, as I look back on my approach to goals, there's, I mean, there's probably been some, but I'm having a hard time thinking of some that I didn't achieve eventually. So I may not have achieved it when I thought I was supposed to, but I believe that the universe or God has a bigger plan than we understand. Um, so I might not have gotten on my timeline, but I did get to that point. You know, and uh, so in terms of goal setting, one of the big things between goal setting and goal achieving is a law of life is that you, Jim Rohn taught this so well back in the 70s and 80s, and he taught this idea is that in life, you don't get what you want, you don't attract what you want, but you attract what you are. Mm -hmm. So in other words, we want to learn to become that version of the goal. So let's say, Andrew, you've got a goal of making a certain amount of income in the next 12 months. We'll use that as an example, whatever that level is. And there's the current you, but then there's this future you. And the future you that's earning that kind of money is different than the guy today. There's no doubt. He thinks differently. He acts differently. So when we can start visualizing ourselves as already being that person to imagine ourselves already at that, then we can in a way work backwards. Okay, well, what does what time does he get up? What what does he do with his day? What and you start to ask yourself these questions from the perspective of what of that version of me do? What's he like? What's he think? What's she like? What's she think? And when you start to come from that perspective, well, now you're putting yourself into being that version of you already. In life, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So if you want to change what you're attracting, we got to figure out how do I become somebody different. Yeah, I like that. Um, and, and just like how that applies in so many areas too. Like if you're someone who wants to lose weight, you're probably not going to do that by being a person who eats too much and doesn't exercise ever. But, <laughs> sure. if, but if you're someone who wants to get in good shape, then you probably want to be the person who exercises a lot, eats healthy and uh, counts yeah. their calories and all that. And so same for building your business too, tracking yourself, knowing what yeah. that looks like, who you're reaching out to, who you're connecting with. So that, that definitely makes a lot of sense.
Yeah. Um, Every, if I so could pause, pause for one ahead. minute, Andrew, everything yeah. exists already. You have to understand the entire universe is made of energy. You, me, the table, the desk, everything it's made from. The building blocks of the world are energy, subatomic particles. However, energy operates on frequency. And because we live in an energetic world, all possibilities exist. So there's already an in, a possibility or a potential of you being the version of you that you're wanting that already exists. Maybe not here in the physical form, but it certainly exists as an energetic possibility or potential. So knowing that, we got to figure out, okay, well, if that's true, how do I get on the frequency of that goal? And the best way, hands down, there's not a better way. Nothing we could talk about would be more worthwhile than this when it comes to goal achievement. The best way to get on the frequency of what you want is to imagine yourself already there. We mm. create through our thoughts. Most people think that all success is created by what you do. Partially true. There's no doubt that your action produces a result. However, something precedes the action. And what always precedes the action is a kind of thought, conscious or unconscious, but there is always thought. So thought precedes this. So it, it's the action process, but then there's also the creative attraction process of the right people, the right opportunities, the right times that show up in our lives. And this is also influenced by the way we're thinking and feeling. So again, the best way to get what you want is to see yourself or get on the frequency of what you want is to imagine yourself already there, already be living in the home, to already have the business. And you're taking time to imagine it. How often are you doing it? Well, you're probably doing it when you're laying in bed. That's a good time. Maybe you spend a little time in the morning in your meditation, your prayer. Maybe it's five minutes, whatever. You're writing about it. I don't know. There's no right or wrong to this stuff. I mean, some people, when they hear these ideas, they think, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just sit at home and it'll come to me. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. The more you understand about the subconscious mind is the subconscious mind follows your instruction. However, if I'm not giving it new instruction, then I'm only operating out of what I was programmed for. And most people were not programmed for big time success. Most of us were programmed for scarcity, for struggle, for just enough, maybe a little bit better than getting by. So we have to give this amazing subconscious mind that runs the majority of your life, 95% of your thoughts, feelings, and actions, we have to give it better instruction. And the way you give it better instruction is imagining a new you, is imagining a new future and starting to create this future vision version. And then we act from a space of what would that guy do today? What would that lady do today? I love that. I love that. And that makes me ask too. So um, how do you balance that with your internal gut feeling knowledge versus hearing from mentors? Because um, obviously, you know, 21-year-old Ben, he doesn't know how to build a, a $10 million business. But of course, uh, current day Ben knows how to build a $10 million business. So how do you balance which advice to listen to, if, if that makes sense? Yeah. What feels, what feels on the inside versus a mentor? Is that what you're asking? So you've yes. got a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, that's a great question, dude. Um, my answer is you got to trust yourself. Uh, even with mentors, I have some incredible mentors and have had many over the years and a mentor knows what they know, right? They have a lot more experience than we do. There's no doubt, especially if they're where we want to be. There's certain things they did to get there and everything. Everybody's journey is slightly different when it comes to a, a, I guess more of like a, a knowing in your heart. Cause there's like that you can confuse feelings sometimes, right? You a mentor may tell you, Hey, this is a step to take, go do this, this, and this, but then you're scared to do it. And you think out of the fear that this is your gut telling you not to, well, that's not necessarily true. The fear is probably coming from it's outside of your comfort zone. It's out of what you already know. And that's probably your next level of growth. But then there's the things in your heart that just feel intuitively that this is the right next step for me. If I had to choose between the two, at this point in my life, back then, I probably would have done what the mentor told me. At this point in my life, though, I'd listen to what, what I'm being told on the inside, for sure. Well, Every, everyone's sense. life yeah. is different, man. No, nobody is going to understand you better than you. No one's going to be able to. Everyone's life experience is different. And no matter how great the mentor, which I love mentors. I still have many in my life. I pay people for coaching. I coach people myself. So it's incredibly valuable. And at the end of the day, it's your life to live. Hmm. So I, I, and do, I love that. Just aligned. like tr trusting yourself, going with your gut, and also understanding like the mentor only knows so much. 
Um, but I thought you made a good point, though. I just feel like when you're, when you're younger and you might think you know stuff, but to, the mentors usually know better. Um, I, I guess just kind of reiterating, do you still stand by that? Like when you're younger and you're just starting off, like maybe it is better to have a mentor than as you get some traction and momentum, then you then you can start listening to yourself more. Or do you, you still you think you got to um, adjust that from the get go, essentially? I think when we're younger, I think we're a lot more, this is a generalization, but we're a lot more naive. I was anyways. Uh, we can be a lot more, I was too in a way, not in a crazy way, but more egotistical, like, you know, my way is going to work out versus I don't think I listened to my inner knowing at that point in my life. I don't think I was even aware that those were coming up. It was more, sometimes I'd listen to my mentors and then other times, and now no, I'm going to do it this way. And that way failed miserably. And if I would have done it the way they told me, I would have been better off. So it's a really good question. I don't know if there's, hey, when you turn 25, then, you know, it's not, I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. like that. I, I think that, uh, you know, depending what you're doing and what it's about, you know, there, early on in my life, business life, I really reaped the benefits of, of great mentors. And because of their coaching, their guidance, their counsel, I mean, that helped me through struggle, which probably if I would have listened to them more, I would have had less of that, but to an incredible life. And without that, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm not giving you a definitive answer to this. I think having mentors are incredibly valuable. And I don't think it's one or the other, either only listen to what yourself or only listen. I don't think it's like that, right? It's find a great mentor, have a mentor uh, that you align with really is probably the better part that the values are similar the things that you want are similar. They have a lifestyle and, and business that you may want, stuff like that. And uh, make sure that that's all in alignment as well. Because then most of the time, it's not going to be a question of, do I listen to them or do I do what I'm feeling, right? Because there's a difference between what you're thinking. I think I should go and do this versus I'm feeling that this is what I absolutely need to do. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, no that's, uh, that's, I love that. Uh, make, makes a lot of sense, and and for someone who also advocates for mentors, but also I know like some people have like a mentor for like their fitness, for their nutrition, for their sure. soul, for their business. Yeah. What would you recommend as the uh, sequence of mentors that people need to get in their life? Like, do they need a sales coach first, mindset mm -hmm. coach first? Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the sequence of mentors you recommend? <laughs> Never thought of that. I think it depends. The answer to this question: What do I want next? You know. What, what, what are you wanting next in your life? And uh, if it's right now, if it's, if it's health more than anything, well, probably a health coach is the way to go. You know, if it's wealth, then you probably want a business coach, right? Um, same thing in building a business. I mean, I, I believe that mindset, no matter what arena we go into, mindset is going to be the pillar of all those things. In order for someone to thrive in their health, there's a certain mentality and mindset. You want to become wealthy, there's a certain mentality and mindset. You want to build a great business, you want to... Uh, become a great speaker. I mean, there's a certain mentality. There's technical things in all of them. However, mindset's the pillar. So I think that that mindset coaching can overlap in all areas of life. As I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, most of the people I work with are, are entrepreneurs and, and high-level professionals. And um, no matter what we're working through, there's always a component of the way that they're thinking about that thing, be it in their relationships, be it in their business, their finances, whatever it is. So yeah, I think there's not an answer to say start here other than what are you wanting most right now? And when you know that, if you say, man, I want, I want to get in the best shape of my life and that's more important to me than anything else. Well, you better find a great health coach. You know, I want to become wealthy. Well, you, I would find a really good life and business coach, you know, build a great business, same context. So all based around that. Yeah. And if you don't mind sharing, um, you know, as someone who's built these successful businesses, running seminars, has a great family, who are your current stack of coaches as far as the different things that they serve for you as someone who's got more they want to be, but also understands the importance of still having mentors and coaches to get mm -hmm. even better, even while getting everything you've ever wanted, but of course, still wanting more. <laughs> yeah, I've had so many great ones over the years and um, some incredible ones that I've worked with, uh, both in my own business that just in terms of the organization, I had access to great mentors that were in the exact same business. And then externally, I've, I've been probably for the last 12 years, I've always had some kind of coach uh, that I've worked with. And when I couldn't afford it, I would buy uh, some group programs. I get involved in group programs because they were less expensive than one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
and uh, find a way to get access to that. And then even when I couldn't fully afford it, but I knew that, you know, I kind of figured out a way, uh, probably my fourth year of business, I hired my first coach one-on-one and, and I don't remember what the cost was, but I do remember at the time it was more money than I'd ever invested into something like that. So it was kind of a scary purchase, if you will, a scary investment. And it was going to work. Um, but I worked with that coach for, he worked with Tony Robbins. Uh, he was one of the Tony Robbins coaches. I worked with him for probably the better part, two and a half, three years. And we achieved wow. some good things. And uh, then I knew we had gotten to a point where we had gone as far as we could go in our relationship together. Um, so then I ended up working with a few others. Anyways, fast forward today to answer your question. There's two main people, uh, coaches and mentors right now. Um, my, my biggest mentor right now that I talk to all the time is David Meltzer. And uh, he is he's incredible. I mean, he's one of the top business people in the world, I'd say. Uh, an amazing story of what he built and then lost it all, like went completely bankrupt in 2008, 2009, $100 million net worth, lost it all. And wow. within five years had gotten back to there and exceeded it. And, and now, I mean, he, he's a legend for sure. So David Meltzer's who I work the most closely with and forever grateful for him and the doors that he's opened for me. And, uh, and then another guy that I don't, I'm going through, uh, one of his programs right now, more for online marketing and I'm learning a ton from, and I'm loving is James Wedmore. So those would be the mm. two right now. Those would be the two people. Those are, those are, those are big names, Ben. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You work with the best. And, yeah. uh, cause of course, uh, yeah, you're passionate about the results you want to create for your clients and for your own life. So uh, that's, that's awesome. Right. That's right. Um, and so, so that kind of leads to my next question too. So tell us more about uh, your favorite stories of clients that uh, you've helped. And I saw that one of your testimonials, you helped a guy get over his allergies. Yeah, somehow. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> so tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> yeah. So he, he wanted that. So I, I'm big, again, I'm big on the way our mind works and, and meditation. And I've learned a lot from it. Joe Dispenza, you familiar with him, Dr. Joe? Yeah, I still need to read and, read cool. and digest more of his work, but I'm definitely familiar cool. with him. Yeah, he, He's changing the world. Um, there's not a better authority on the planet when it comes to meditation and the impacts of it on the body and what can go on within your body and all the neurochemistry and biology and everything. And, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that justice. So, but, but I do know that the client you're talking about, Nathan, and a great guy. And when he came to me to start, it wasn't, that's not why he came to me. This was like a byproduct in a way. Uh, but he did ask me, he goes, hey, what would you charge me to teach me how to meditate and manifest things in my life? That's, that was his question, right? Which is not usually how people come to me. But uh, I said, well, you know, here's what it would look like and here's how we'd work together. And the, originally when he started, he wanted to find a new career. He was really dissatisfied in what he was doing, long hours, pay wasn't what he wanted. Uh, so we, we started with that stuff, but we began, one of the things I take through everybody I work with, one-on-one uh, -on -one or any of the programs even that we do, is I always begin, I always begin with a vision of the future because that clarity process and clarifying of where are we going next is such a critical component that people sometimes neglect because they think, no, no, I already know what I want. I'm just, I just tell me what to do. Tell me that, you know, I need to do more of the work. But what you do need to do is get the vision. So we began with the vision, not just for his business life and professional, but also one component was his health. And this is one of the things that comes up. So he says, you know, I got these, I got this cat that my wife really wanted, but I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> and so he goes, so I, you know, I don't know if I could do it, but I would love to be able to, you know, be able to play with this cat and not have allergies. And I said, okay. I said, I don't, I don't know if we could do that, but let's, I mean, there's people that have healed themselves from stage four cancer, you know, tumors completely gone Wow. through meditation. So, I mean, if they could do that, certainly you could probably heal an allergy, right? So I said, so let's try it. So we went through some stuff and, you know, practiced him like anything, finding the frequency of that. You know, what would it be like if you were able to? And sure enough, over a few weeks, all of a sudden he's starting to, he's not reacting as much to this cat. And it's an amazing story in his life. Wow. A lot of other cool stuff that ended up happening for that guy. Just by meditating and visualizing, he got over yeah. his allergy of the cat. Yeah. I have a friend of mine, Tiffany wow. Julie. She was a coach of mine for a couple of years. She, this is not an exaggeration. She was completely blind. Doctors could not figure out why. She, at this point, she's probably, I don't know, 24, 25. They could not figure out why. All the tests, everything. And there's nothing they did that, they, that ended up healing her. But she, through meditation, cured herself of being fully blind. So, yeah. 
mean, she was born able to see, yes. and then just over time, she just got blind. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, that's right. You know. She lost her vision when she was 23 or 24, somewhere around there. And then it was about a year process, but she went from being fully blind to being able to see perfectly. Anyways, wow. I'm, I'm getting off a uh, uh, topic there. But another client that comes to mind is Lady Rachel. Rachel's uh, another great story. And um, uh, very successful lady, very great uh, corporate job that she has. Wanted more for her life. She was done with that and wanted to start her own company and everything. Um, but one of the things, though, that we worked on creating for her was she had a condo that she wanted to sell. And her condo is kind of a very niche condo. It's like a higher end market. Uh, typically, they move fairly slowly in terms of the real estate market. And um, so, yeah, she's telling me about this. And she, so she gets it listed. And she goes, but I know it's going to take you a really long time to sell and everything. And that's okay. You know, I'm fine with that. And I was like, well, Rach, why, why is it going to take a long time to sell? She says, well, you know, it's this market, it's this, it's that. And I said, okay, well, that, that may all be true. But I mean, you could still, the perfect buyer can't exist right now. They could be there. Mm -hmm. She goes, that's a good point. And so we started practicing a little bit of stuff. Like, you know, how would you feel if you sold this house? And then, sure, shit, this afternoon, this is like 12 o'clock that day we're talking. She has a showing later that day at 3 o'clock. They come in. They take a look around. She has a great connection with them. And they go, yeah, we actually live in the building, um, but we want to buy another condo. So when our daughter comes to town or friends come to town, there's a place for them to stay. So they go wow. see it. They tell her, we'll take it. Boom. Three hours later. <laughs> so that's, that's a cool, cool story. you know. And I could go on and on. I mean, but these are some of the cool things. I mean, with her, she's got some phenomenal stuff she's created. And uh, it's just awesome, man. I mean, it, it's fun. Uh, you know, sometimes it's direct business coaching where we help them grow their business. And that's a big thing. One of the things I love is when you're able to create something out of nothing, where it was an idea and then it shows up in a way that you could have never expected that you didn't have to go and sacrifice and grind for, but came. So I'm, I'm big on that stuff and, you know, helping people create their reality and understanding that your thoughts truly are creative. So you, you mentioned... Uh... <sighs> Yeah, it seems like the, these three clients, you know, they came from different backgrounds, different experience. They wanted different things, yeah. but they all ended up choosing you. And of course, yeah. running a business, running a business as a coach, you know, you want to, it's all about finding your ideal avatar, finding out who sure. you can serve, finding the consistency of their psychographics, demographics. So how did you go about finding your ideal person you could coach? And it sounds like these are all very diverse people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, did, I definitely did some of that work, you know, going through that. I mean, there's lots of different programs that'll teach kind of that stuff. And I think that is very valuable. I could probably benefit from doing even a deeper dive on it. Um, a lot for me is I, I want to work with people that I feel aligned with. I want to work with that. It, it feels like the right fit. So I'm, I, uh, I was coaching a guy two days ago, great guy, good business. And, um, we're, I think we're going to start working together and, uh, he goes, and he's a very strategic guy. He's very spreadsheets, organized everything, which is, you know, I got a bit of that, but that's not a huge thing for me. Um, but uh, he goes, so what's your process? Because we're about two thirds of the way. We're having a great conversation. He goes like, what's your, pro how do you do all this stuff? What's the structure? And it surprised him. I said, man, no, there's, there's no structure for what we're doing right now. And so for me, this was the one-on-one -on -one coaching. But, but with it is I'm very much attuned into what is this person? How can I serve them now? And if I come in with an agenda of what I think Andrew needs versus actually being there, being present and allowing the space to really figure out what's going on for you, it's a very different meeting. I've done the structured ones and we still get some stuff done, but the most powerful breakthroughs are never in the structured. So for me, building my coaching practice, it's less about the perfect psychographic, the perfect demographic. I've got you know people in their 50s to people in their 20s to... They're 30. So to me, it's not about that. What I am looking for, though, is that um, really there's got to be a level of open-mindedness. I think a lot of the time, the people that are coming to me is they're, they're ready for a new result in their life in whatever area that is. So it's less about the perfect, all of that stuff as much as is there, is there some alignment in uh, what we feel and what we believe? It doesn't need to be identical, uh, but that's an important part to me, too. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. And so, so it's not like you get, you get your clients just through posting on social media, through networking, um, or, or yeah. is there any referrals? <laughs> a or any, yeah, a lot of word of mouth, word of mouth, primarily. People I know, and either I know them or they know of me through someone else. Yeah. 
No, it make, makes sense. Finding people you're aligned with. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about having kids and yeah. how that affects your, 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 your business, your relationships. Because, um, you know, so I also love reading the book, How to Get Rich by Felix Dennis, I think is his name. Okay. And he talked about, hey, I've, I've gotten kids and I've, I've still been able to get super rich and be one of the wealthiest people in the world. But sure. other people are like, yeah, I would be rich, but I have kids to take care of all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so love for you to share some uh, insights on how people can prepare for that, adjust for it and navigate that. I love it, man. That's a great topic. Uh, I'm a dad of two girls. I've got a almost seven-year-old, almost five-year-old, and uh, they're just incredible. Uh, my wife and I are very fortunate to to have the relationships that we have with them. So I spent my business life, I spent, uh, what would that be then? About half of my business life was before kids and the other half of my business life was with kids. And I was under the idea that when I was younger, people would tell me, you know, work as hard as you can now because when you have kids, you're not going to want to work as much and you won't have as much time to build your business. Now, I worked hard when I was younger. I didn't work as hard as I possibly could have. I'd be lying if that's, there's tons I could have done way better. Um, mm -hmm. But then fast forward to having kids, again, from what others had told me, somehow my life was going to change and I wouldn't be able to grow my business as much. Total BS, right? Now, that I didn't put as much time into my business once I started having kids, our first daughter, because I wanted to spend time with her. You know, I wanted to, and that, now my kids, I spend more time with my kids than most of the dads that I know. Yet, we're still able to grow our businesses and I work less than I ever worked. And yet this year is going to be a record year for income. So that's a pretty cool thing. So the idea that somehow if you a, if you have kids now and you think, well, I can't because it's just a belief or B, if you think when I have kids, everything's going to slow down, but it's just a belief. Thoughts are creative. So, you know, Henry Ford said it such a long time ago, whether you think you can, you think you can't, you're right either way. Mm -hmm. So if you think, well, I, once I have kids, I'm not gonna be able to build a business. Well, yeah, you'll experience that for sure. But somebody else is already building a business that has kids. Yeah. Same th person says, I'm too old for that. I'm too young for that. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I didn't grow up like that. You know, that's not how people, it, who cares? You can change, you can adapt, you can grow. So being a parent and being a business, it has challenges too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there, there, I was fortunate that I was already seven years into building a business before I had kids. So there was a level of income and freedom that I wouldn't have had if I was had a kid at 21. So there's advantages to that. Don't get me wrong. And, and my business started to grow significantly more when I had kids. Why? I started to value my time more than ever. Before, you know, mm -hmm. I'd have a meeting trying to convince somebody for a couple hours, you know, if I was like trying to get them to come on board or become a client or whatever it might be. Now, hey man, if they're not a fit, I'm out. I'm okay. We can do that in 20 <laughs> minutes. It doesn't take long. You know, I, I don't want to waste your time. Don't want to waste my time. So for me, prioritizing my time, my time became so much more important that I wasn't wasting time on meetings and things that, you know, didn't add value uh, to either of us, them or me. So that was a big thing. And then I think the other thing, your perspective changes too about, you know, I guess what you want to create, why you want to create it. So there's, there's both, right? I think there's pros at a time in your life. If you don't have kids right now and you're building something, awesome. You know, that's great. If you have kids right now and you're wanting to build something, you are building something, awesome. It's great. One's not better than the other. They're just different seasons. I, I love that. Just like, creating the out the reality of uh what you want to be possible and just like creating the reality of what, what you want to happen um so and that makes a lot of sense like valuing your time more because you have to because you're like geez i could be spending an hour and a half on this potential yeah. call but also could be uh spending time with the kids essentially but uh and so that's definitely a, it's a forced perspective which i love um and uh, I guess the next question is, yeah, is there any new systems or operations you put into your business to help you um, scale and, and be, get more passive income faster? Or do you just feel like you just kind of re reamped how you approach the product productivity of your business, essentially? Great question. Uh, you know, scaling any business, there's different ways you can do it. A, a lot of businesses, depending on the nature of it, is in order to scale, I mean, you need more 
trained and independent people that can do whatever it is you do, right? So if, if you're a solopreneur, let's say, right, and you provide maybe a consulting service or something like that, if all you're doing is one-to-one, you know, right, I've got to be there for that corporation or that person. Uh, like one-on-one coaching is a good example. One-on-one coaching is not very scalable. I love one-on-one coaching. I also recognize it's not super scalable, right? Other than the fact that, you know, rates go up and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of massive scale, it's not going to happen. But from a business perspective, if I, I don't desire to do this at this point in my life, but we'll use coaching as an example. Let's say you're a great coach right now and you did want to scale. Well, the key to growing a coaching company would have other people that could coach, right? So that's one part. So in our financial business, the going from where all my income was dependent on me personally selling and doing all that versus majority of my income is not dependent on me selling now in that business was getting other people independent, developing leaders, developing people that can run their own businesses within our agency, right? So that's that side. On the other side of stuff, this has been a fascination for me uh, that I've been learning so much more. I did, it was a whole new world to me is the world of online marketing. And prior to, what are we now, July? So at the end of last year, I mean, obviously I knew of it, but I knew very little to next to nothing about it. Today, I know a lot about it. And so I've been spending tons of time on that because in an online business, you have infinite ways to scale, right? The whole planet is your market, depending what your product or service is. And there's so many tools and automations and things that can serve you that literally today, I mean, if you're in a business that can sell a product or service online, right? let's say you have a digital product as an example, even I, probably one, maybe material one, but more a digital product. I mean, the ways that you can scale that are endless right now. So, you know, it's going to take time and effort and study and you got to find the right people that can teach you how to do it and, or, you know, to actually learn it and apply it and make mistakes and probably going to cost some money along the way, but you can really start to scale that. So, to answer your question, if it's a more traditional business, you probably need more people that can do whatever it is that generates sales. If it's an online business, then it's learning all those different strategies, whether it be through paid advertising, whether it be through uh, email automation to, yeah, I mean, on and on. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Just, uh, yeah, making sure that you understand that there's infinite ways to grow your business. And obviously, each business is different, how they want to scale and grow. And yeah, just recognizing too, like once you have kids, like how can I get more time? How can I get more time? Yeah. And, and yeah. just kind of making that happen. So I, I love yeah. that. And, and one thing I'll add too is that, you know, if you think about Kiyosaki taught the four cash flow quadrants, right? You've got employee, mm-hmm. self-employed, business owner, and investor. And an investment, by the way, is that, you know, if you don't have lots of capital, then you may not get there soon. But one of the ways to create more time freedom is to through investing, right? We build our businesses, yes. And make sure that you're investing too. invest in your company, invest in yourself and invest in your financial future assets that can generate income assets and can generate cash flow. So I'm a big fan of multiple streams of income, right? Many different sources, right? We have real estate investments. We have different businesses. We have a couple little small things that make, make you know, 10 or 15 K a year that, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm big on that is how do we create different streams of income, money coming in from all different sources. And, uh, you know, the more you keep building that, we talked about compounding earlier, but the more you're building those out, the better it gets, the better it gets. So, yeah. No, it makes sense to just uh, diversifying your portfolio and just uh, because like real estate, I think people forget that too. You can always make money off of real estate, whether it's a bad market or a good market. It's just, uh, and and so studying that. Yeah. I love the Um, markets too. Uh, Investment background, right? I love investing in the markets too. And Oh, I bet that, that would help too. <laughs> that would definitely help. And switching gears a little bit again, I wanted to get into imposter syndrome because mm. um, I know that's another top struggle of people, people mm-hmm. feeling like they reach all the success. They're like, wait a second. Um, and obviously we talked earlier about, you know, already knowing that you deserve the success, but then of course our primitive um, monkey brain goes, uh, I don't know what, what's going mm-hmm. on. I just want to hide in a quarter and uh, cry. <laughs> no, I don't want to do anything. How do you c- combat uh, imposter syndrome when people feel like that's destroying them at the moment? You know, I believe that imposter syndrome, to some degree, we all have. And the idea that, and, and here's why I say it, 
Uh, a book that changed my life many years ago is a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. You, mm. you ever read it? No, but I've heard the phrase and I like it. Yeah, It's good. Dr. Susan Jeffers is who wrote it. And she teaches an incredible concept around fear. Um, everybody has fear. And one of the uh, illusions that we have is we think that these people that have these great lives, you know, they've built these great businesses, they're making millions, they've got the lifestyle, the freedom, they got it all, you know, the family, the body, all of it, that somehow they're different. Somehow, you know, they don't feel the same fears. And it's not true. And the reason why is that anytime you're going to make a change in your life, if you're going to go beyond your known, beyond your comfort zone, fear is going to come up. So fear is a normal part of the growth process in that in order for you to go from Andrew today to next level Andrew, the only way you're going to get through there is you have to break through what you already know. And in the act of doing things in a new way, trying new things you haven't done before, risking things, being courageous, it, it you have to have fear. It just, it happens. It's a natural part of being human. So imposter syndrome is a form of fear that says somehow, I don't know, like who would want to listen to me? Why would they want to buy from me? Why would they? And it's a form of fear showing up that somehow I'm not good enough for these other people to want to somehow, you know, include me in it. Here's what helped me when it came specifically to imposter syndrome. I guess fear is a, a even broader subject, but specifically to it, because I struggled too. When I decided to start my seminar and coaching company, I'd done well in my business. You know, I, I mean, I personally made millions of dollars at this point in my life, had done pretty well, had a pretty comfy life, pretty great life. And, um, but I still, I remember, Angie, I remember thinking, well, who's going to want to come? <laughs> like, you know, who's going to want to, you know, who's going to want to listen to that? Like, what if, what if it's a flop? What if nobody shows up? And the same doubts and insecurities that probably I would have had 10 years ago I was having today, I was just able to deal with them a little bit better, right? But often this idea of, you know, who's going to want to listen or why would they take advice from me or why would they do this from me? Here's what I learned it from a, a, a podcast I was listening to. Ed Milet was interviewing a guy, Rory Vaden. And Rory Vaden runs a company called, um, it's slipping my mind, but it's a, a, a marketing organization. Uh, brand builders. That's what it's called. So he runs this company called brand builders. Anyways, on the podcast, he talked about this concept that, <clears throat> that people struggle with this imposter. Well, who am I to start that? Right? Who am I to offer that? Who am I to? And he teaches the idea that you are perfectly qualified to help the person you used to be. And man, I got to tell you, because what I was thinking when I was starting for my coach, I thought, man, I got these people that I respect. I look up to that are way further along than me. I mean, I don't think they would come to what I'm doing. You know, I don't know that they would want to do coaching with me. And I was caught up in thinking that those people wouldn't because of where they were and assuming that all these other people, you know, I was almost blocking them out, if that makes sense, Andrew. Mm -hmm. And, um, but once I heard that, I realized that, man, that is so true. Who are mm -hmm. you? You're the perfect person to help who you were two, three years ago. And guess what? There's a lot of those people. So yeah. you may, you may not be the guy, you might not be the lady to help the next level version of you, the person that's ahead of you in life that way, well, no, you're probably not the right fit for them. But they don't need you. The people that are where you were two years ago, three years ago, they need you more than ever. You have a unique life experience. You've overcome certain things. You develop certain skills, habits, knowledge, mindsets that have helped you get to where you are in whatever it is that you're doing. And you can teach those things to people that are at the spot that you used to be at. So the greatest mm -hmm. way to overcome that is that who am I to help? I mean, you're the perfect person to help who you used to be. And if you can start to adopt that, then you understand, no, I am that. 100% I'm that person. And then guess what? You keep growing. You keep getting better. You keep improving. And now a year from now, you're a whole new version of you that can help a new level. Right? I don't know how to teach someone how to build a $100 million company. I haven't done that yet. But I can help somebody build a billion-dollar company. You know, I can help them build a multi-million door where they can build it up over time. So you get the idea. Would you adjust what you'd say for performers at all, for like athletes or people who are in the performing arts who are like, oh, geez, do I deserve to be the lead on the show? Do I deserve to be the starter for the basketball, basketball team? Um, would you adjust what you said for any of that crab? That's a great question. You ask good questions, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess in that thing, it's not necessarily that you're coming to that, but 
I guess if you're you're struggling with that, thinking, well, who am I to compete at the highest level? Who am I to go for that role? I mean, here's the thing to think about. Whatever field that is, if we took the top of that field, the best athlete in that field, the best actor in that field, at one point, they were where you were. Mm-hmm. They yeah. weren't the pinnacle of their career at one point. Right? I mean, they started at a similar position. So who were they at that point? I mean, they were just somebody that decided, I'm going to go for it. So sometimes the fear of, well, what if I'm not good enough for that role? The fear stops us from ever even taking action. But the people that get where they want to go are the ones that actually take the risk and take the, they're not guaranteed of the outcome. They weren't guaranteed that they were going to get to, you know, X role or X spot. If there's only one role for that role, there's only one role. One person's going to get it. But the people that eventually got those were the ones that were willing to try. They were the ones that were willing to get out mm-hmm. there. So, you know, to me, to that person, business and life, you know, w- maybe you're not the right person yet, but if you don't try, you're sure as heck not going to know. At least if you try, you're going to have, even if you don't get it, you're going to have a great experience that teaches you new lessons that you can shape yourself from, learn from, to move on to a new and advanced level and version of yourself. So the combination of being willing to risk, being willing to try, plus persistence of take the lesson, learn the knowledge, go try again. Yeah, I mean, you'll get where you want to go. Oh, I, I love that perspective. And it's a, it's a good reminder too, like, yeah, even the, the top actors, you know, they still had to do these crappy TV shows and movies sure. just, <laughs> just, to, just yeah. to get started. With it. But then by showing up again and again, they get to be where they want to go. But um, I think... Woody Allen quoted that like 90% of success is just showing up sometimes sure. and just <laughs> going after it again and again. So uh, that's a great way to, to frame things. Um, I know we have a few minutes left here, so just a few last questions. Um, that concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.